are listening to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. This episode of the Traditional Outdoors Podcast is brought to you by St. Joe River Bows. If you're looking for a custom longbow or recurve, then St. Joe River Bows has you covered. St. Joe's is a family-owned company that specializes in traditional bows for the entire family. Plus their forward handle design, powerful limbs, and unique wood and color combinations make St. Joe's the perfect choice for the budding or experienced archer or bow hunter. Tracy offers bow options for all members of the family from the youngest to the oldest, and they even offer a trade-in program on all youth bows so that as the little ones outgrow their bow, they can trade them in and use that towards the purchase of a bow that better fits their growing needs. And for listeners of the Traditional Outdoors podcast, David and Tracy are going to include a St. Joe River Bows t-shirt with any new bow purchased. Just mention that you heard about them while listening to this podcast. So when you're ready for a new bow, be sure to check out their website at stjoeriverbows.com or give Tracy a call at 517-617-3658 and be sure to tell them Traditional Outdoors sent you. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast, everyone. I am your host as usual, Steve Angel, and I'm joined by my good buddy. We're fresh back from, from pursuing hogs for a week, Mr. Tom Jorgensen. How's it going, man? Oh, it's going great, Steve. Glad to be back on. Glad you glad you had a safe, hopefully uneventful drive home. Mine was much shorter than yours. <laughs> yeah, it was good. <laughs> it uh, got back, and in a true fashion, uh, one day after I got uh, home, there was a natural disaster. So that tornado just uh, touched down in Tennessee. Right, uh, right, right. Just right after I got through there. And it's, and it's still raining and, and that's something, you know, I think we, you know, we'll probably touch on here, but, uh, you know, overall, absolutely fantastic hunt. Um, no, no critters were, no critters were brought to the freezer, but, um, I think there was a a lot of things, uh, somewhat working against us. And again, I think we'll, we'll probably touch on and, and get into that, but, how many what do, do you know the actual count as far as what number the camp ambush this was probably should 10 or 11 before we started recording so you could do the math but i think 11 yeah i knew it i knew it'd been a, a bunch and this was i want to say this was my fifth fourth or fifth i'd have to go back and look now but um just a, an absolute great bunch of people. Um, we we mixed things up a little bit this year. We decided for reasons I'm I, you know I don't think we want to get into, but we we moved the we moved the hunt a little further south, and we we switched it up a little bit. We did public land this year, which was um, a first for the for the Hambush crew. Um, what are your any any thoughts on the the change from private to public? Well, um, you know one one thing we didn't have was just a great uh, lodge camp setup on the property we were hunting. You know, so one nice thing on being on a big track of private land is you could string your bows on the day you show up, and you don't have to worry about transport laws, any of that stuff. You didn't have to worry about, um, you know, just you were you were on property and everything was kind of all set. Um, a lot more logistics involved 
this year with just uh, getting to and from the different places we hunted. You know, we didn't hunt right. one property. We I think we hunted probably six or seven uh, between us over the days. So uh, also, you know, we were cooking on our own. Um, one of the nice things about booking a, a kind of gentleman hunt is you don't have to worry about logistics, but I think we did a really good job with that and our plan there. Um, and then, you know, there were public land hunting stuff, you know, you bumped into folks and, uh, cars and whatever. And, you know, it, it wasn't exclusive access, but, um, we weren't limited to, you know, the, the, the confines of the property boundary. So that was kind of nice in a different way. Just some kind of general thoughts I have. So uh, I would echo all of those. I've, I've definitely had a few of my my own, um, and and many of them, you know, are either related to or, or mirror some of what you just said. But I'll kind of go through, you know, my thoughts on the on the hunt this year. One, right out of the gate, I'll do it again next year in a heartbeat. I mm. I, I really. You know, the, the additional logistics and planning and those kind of things, admittedly, weren't on my shoulders. Um, I think you took the bulk of most of that on. But um, the logistics, as far as once we, you know, once we were there, um, I don't know that, I, I mean, I really, I, they were they were a bit of a challenge and I almost enjoyed um, the, the change. Um, I enjoyed the fact that it wasn't, I wasn't relying on anybody but, myself and the rest of the crew. Mm-hmm. Um, the food, I would have to say as much as, you know, I think many of us that did this with Andrew miss Andrew's cooking something fierce. Um, and, and, <laughs> yes. and as much so miss, miss the camaraderie that went with those, those meals around that table. Um, I think we found a really, a really good substitute because the food was fantastic. Yep. And, you know, the, the, um, the relationships that are formed around, you know, those kind of meals, you know, we, we mix things up a bit and let, I guess let's talk about that just a little bit. So what we, what we ended up doing was, um, leveraging a, a state park that had, you know, facilities, uh, cabins. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, I was shocked at what we found for, you know, what it cost us per person. And we've even talked about you and I, I don't know that the whole group did, but you and I talked about a little bit more how, you know, we could pretty easily even reduce that more uh, if we wanted to based on what we saw from this hunt. So we didn't, the only time we were really in the cabins was to eat and sleep. Um, And there was a lot of room that we really didn't need that you could actually, you know, with a cot uh, sleeping bag, you could increase or decrease the cost by spreading it out of across sure. a couple more people per cabin. Um, but the cabins were fantastic. I would say the only downside, uh, and again, I don't know all the history, but we, we need to try to book earlier next year or you know, yeah, sooner um, so that we can get a, um, a park that's a little bit closer to the areas that we're wanting to hunt. Because like you said, we, we wasted – well, I won't say wasted. <laughs> we spent a lot of time in vehicles driving that we could have been hunting. I'll say we um, wasted it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, um, it, it wasn't 
there was a there were better choices closer, but we couldn't get the number of cabins we needed to facilitate everyone. Right. Uh, so we moved further away. It was it was great. I mean, it was you know great facilities, but you know we were driving at least twice as far. So right. next year we can do better. Well, and I hesitated to say wasted because I got to spend a good bit of time, you know, in my vehicle with, with Doug, you know, he didn't get to stay with us very long. He had to move on and, uh, I got to have some great conversations with him, you know, spent some time with you in the truck, got to have some great, you know, conversations with you. So that's where I say, I, I hate to use the word wasted, but you know, we definitely had a lot of time that we spent in the vehicles that we could have spent in the woods. True. Um, there was something else that I was going, oh, so here's the other thing that I actually was a, to me was a bit of a surprise that I thought made things a little bit easier as a whole was, you know, because we were spread out across three cabins, you know, the group kind of moved to where the food was. Mm-hmm. So some nights we ate in your cabin, some nights we ate in, in the cabin I was in. Um, the worst part about all that was the, uh, the, the accounting of all the silverware and the glassware and the plates the day before we headed back to make sure we kind of had stuff redistributed, um, fairly evenly. Uh, but other than that, I mean, there was just so many things about that setup that I thought were just fantastic. I mean, yeah, we could have saved a few bucks. It was great. Right. We could have saved a few bucks and brought tents and campers and, uh, done it all that way, but um, you know, factor in hot showers right there, um, good cooking facilities, uh, plenty of seating for everybody. You know, it for that small amount of money, it was much more comfortable than what we could have done. Agreed. But let's so let's factor that in. Let's let's talk about a few factors to that though, and. One of those was hopefully unique to this year, but um, this wasn't a weekend hunt. This was a, for all intents and purposes, we hunted, what, six days? That's six days of field, yeah. Right. Uh, That's pretty rough to do in a tent. Um, I'm not saying it can't be done. You and I have done it, but we we did it in a very dry, arid environment. Georgia is not. there would have been some foul smelling people if we tried to do that for a week. I'm just going to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, the other thing that you, you, you also have to factor again, this was this year, but, and we, you know, we've kind of hinted at the weather. Um, we could have potentially been in bad situations depending on where we had chosen to camp because at least one of the WMAs that we hunted, uh, up till, um, uh, Wednesday, um, after Wednesday, it was closed because the water kept rising and eventually flooded the entire WMA out. So, you know, there's the possibility we could have been camping and literally had water come up into our tent, um, over the course of the week. It wouldn't have been a, a stretch by any means. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, God bless the people that are still down there dealing with this. When, when I rolled into, into the, the park, Sunday a uh, week ago. So, you know, really the, no, excuse me, that was Saturday a week ago. When I crossed the river three miles from where we stayed, um, 
the river was, I think that day was 11 feet and it had already, you know, forced people out of their homes. Yeah. There was equipment on this, you know, that you could see from the road that was underwater and the river still didn't crest until Thursday. And that was at 19 feet. Yeah. And you saw some of the pictures I shared this morning. It's still rising. It's been raining here since I got back. So, uh, yeah, like I said, you know, hunting's important, but what those people down there are going through right now is just, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. It's bad. No, heart goes out. It's, uh, it's a bad situation. And we talked about, you know, the weather affecting our, our hunts. We actually had good hunting weather. We only had one day that it was supposed to rain and it ended up, it rained for a few hours early in the morning and, you know, uh, spotty rain for about an hour in the afternoon. But other than that, it was a pretty good day. So from a, from a weather in the field perspective, we had mild temperatures and we didn't have a lot of rain. It was just all the flooding and the flooding was, well, again, was bad. There was, I know there was areas that, that you and, uh, three or four other people hunted on one WMA, uh, what day was that? Was that Monday? Monday, Tuesday. Yep. And then, and, and there was a hog shot and you went back the next morning and the island that that pig had, had gone to was completely flooded. It was underwater. You couldn't even get to it. Yeah. No, it was just the middle of the river. Um, yeah, and, and so talking just a little bit ahead. about that, I mean, so we show up and the river's coming up, but on that WMA, we were down in good pig territory, right? I mean, there was lot of sign that was new there was sign that was old there were great you know trails cut everywhere so even though it was being pushed you know higher up uh, to higher ground we were definitely still in the pig zone sunday monday tuesday and i think i think monday and tuesday we saw 52 and got 10 shots i mean it was Great hunting, but as soon as that river pushed up that little bit further where it was at Wednesday, uh, Thursday, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, you know, the hogs didn't have the type of cover they were accustomed to, uh, and it, it made a move, and it started getting kind of hard to find them after that. Well, you know, I'll be honest, it was by the end of the week, I'd, I'd gotten pretty frustrated the, the, uh, so I saw a lot of animals, um, had several really close encounters with whitetails. In fact, um, I guess the same afternoon that you guys were chasing all the pigs, just actually what it ended up being several hundred yards from me and Doug, uh, I practically stepped on two whitetails. Um, so, I mean, I, I saw animals. I just couldn't, I couldn't find a pig the whole week and, I, I'm not sure. I it, it it was just being in the right place. I think with the, again with the water being uh, as high as it was, they I think based on what we saw, it looked like the pigs were, you know, they were going into an area, rooting it up really hard, and then moving on to the next food they could as the water kept pushing them out. Yep. So that's just a theory, but everything that we saw kind of backed that theory up. I think. Totally agree. But we had, so how many people do, do you have on, what did we end up with in camp? Was it 10? 
Uh, let's see. First cabin had four. Second cabin had four. Third cabin only had two. Had a little change up there. Nope, three, four, two. And then uh, the camper. So. Three, four, two. Ten seven, hunters? Seven, ten hunters counting Doug, and Doug left Tuesday morning. So nine the rest of the week. Yeah. Um, and we, we, I can't use the word we kept, we kept saying while we were down there, but we fanned out quite a bit. Um, <laughs> we, I'm trying to think, uh, we went to no more than, no less than, I should say six different WMAs. Yeah. I think there's a lot of hunting ground around. Might've been there. seven. It may have been seven. Um, actually I think it was seven after the one that we, we ended up our finishing up our hunt on um, RC. Uh, Robert Carter even came out and 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 gave us some directions one day, which uh, put us in hog sign. But I don't think we and he was he is and was very disappointed to hear that we didn't we didn't see any pigs. But definitely, you know, put us on the sign. It's just like I said. I think the the animals were, were the pigs were just having to, you know, get food as quick as they can and move on because of that water. I mean, it was just, well, the, the four of us that hunted that spot, all four of us have done a fair bit of pig hunting and all four of us thought we heard pigs. So I, I'm not thinking we were far away. I mean, I can't, yeah, I can't I'm say there weren't po- pigs right there. Yeah. I'm almost positive. Um, me and Anna heard pigs, but when that wind shifted, you know, that I think they just did what pigs do. They bugged out and we never saw them. Yep. Um, and, and it, and it was, it was very thick. Um, but anyway, like I said, it was, it was, it was a fantastic hunt. We haven't talked about Jerry yet. I want to talk about that in a minute. Um, and like I said, I'm I'm already I'm already excited and looking forward to next year. And the only thing I think we should try to change change the time of it a, a little bit. T- well, so yeah, there's a couple things. Maybe change the timing a little bit. You're thinking about maybe doing it during turkey season, right? Maybe later. Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, earlier. And for th- but uh, it's, yeah, something. For those that that don't know why I said turkey season, I think we mentioned this, and I'll mention it again, but. Georgia for public land, there has to be an open season on these WMAs that we're hunting. So we planned this hunt around the last week of small game season, which ended on Saturday. And uh, our turkey season opens March 21st. Uh, And that's pretty consistent year to year. So, you know, next year we would either have to move it earlier. So it'd be, you know, a lot closer than to, um, the end of deer season or we would have to move it forward a month or so to get it into uh, our turkey season which runs again the end of march through i want to say like the middle of may it's it's fairly long um so we would potentially move the date a little bit we would try to move it to where we were closer um to the areas that we wanted to hunt and potentially might reduce the Again, depending on how the numbers worked out, maybe reduce the cabin footprint or, you know, possibly, I don't know that we, how do you, so we originally planned on having 14. Um, Curious if you have any thoughts about after, after the, 
after the week we had with 10, you think 14 would have been too many or you think it would have still been fine? Um, 10 was real comfortable, you know, both, <laughs> both from it. Sometimes that the cabins were awful loud with all the people talking, uh, but that many folks, uh, seating was at the edge, you know, um, so it'd be like small logistic changes if we had, uh, three or four, four full cabins, if we had 12 or 16 people, um, yeah, 10 was fine. Gave us a chance to get out, see all the different WMAs, have different people kind of report back on what they were seeing, uh, you know, what they saw rooting in, the types of cover that were being used. So we were gathering intelligence off all the different WMAs, and that was helpful. Um, yeah, I think I think 8 to 12 is kind of a sweet spot. We'd always had that hard limit at 8. Uh, every year. So this was our first chance to kind of go above that. And um, I don't know if I want to go too much above it. Yeah, I tend to agree, even though the the other, um, you know, at least two of the other individuals that were supposed to be there that had to back out, we've, we've hunted with them several years and always enjoyed their company so it's it's really it's not a it's not a a people thing it's just a quantity thing mm-hmm. um but i kind of felt the same way i thought you know at, at times the number of people that we had was really nice because you could really just feel a good vibe mm-hmm. a good camaraderie going on within those um i'm not sure about it's kind of those things with one, you know, how far do you go before it becomes a crowd? So, you know, I definitely, definitely get what you're saying. All depends on the company. This is true. This is true. Um, so I have a, I have a question I'm going to throw at you, although I, I really already know, I think I know the answer because you sort of had the opportunity. Both of us did and we, we kind of declined it, but did you miss hunting over feeders at all? Oh. So, you know, we were setting, setting wild things up. Um, talked to a lot of people that hunt a lot of different places, outfits in Texas and around. Um, if you want a high shot probability, that is the best way to get it. So... For Tom that really likes eating hogs, um, I miss <laughs> I miss shooting them and killing them and eating them. Uh, you talk about the excitement and uh, fun that you can have spotting and stalking pigs and chasing them through the swamp and splashing through the water after them, and um, that is. You know, whether you're on public land or private land, that is just a ball. And I know with certainty there are people who were in camp this week that had never been on pigs or shot at pigs, spot and stock before, and and their lives are forever changed. They're hooked. Um, two people already talked to me about trying to do another trip down in May. So Really? Oh, yeah. I'll talk to you about that offline. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, yeah. No, I mean, it's it's one of those things where when you – stock in within 10 yards of a 
a pig and they're they're making noises and shuffling around and everything it it's it it's exciting and by the nature of what we were you know how we were hunting that that that's what we were doing and getting into pigs that way there's i can't imagine anything more exciting that's that's a good time i will be perfectly honest i didn't miss I didn't miss hunting over the feeders from the same perspective as you. Um, I will tell you the one thing that I actually have always liked about being set up and, and hunting over a feeder for hogs. And that is, and it's somewhat similar to what you just said, but there is nothing like the adrenaline bump that you get when you hear a sounder of pigs and you hear them coming from, a couple hundred yards away at times and they're squealing and you hear the, you know, the, the hooves thumping the ground and the, the biting and the, I mean, I'll be honest. I actually love that part of sitting over a feeder. Mm -hmm. Um, again, not so much the, the, the ability to get the, the higher percentage shot, but just the way they come in. I mean, it, (laughs) I, I, I love it. I mean, I love hearing them. Uh, I love trying to watch for them once I know they're coming and I can hear them coming. And I'm, I must admit, I miss that. Um, I think, you know, the, the spot and stalk is definitely exciting. And when you, when you can hear that, you know, the squealing and the biting and carrying on, you know, when you're spot and stalk, it's, it's definitely exciting, but it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, both of us have taken several pigs over feeders, um, if I ever get the chance, I'll probably do it again in the future. It's not something that I've just decided I don't want to do anymore. I, I love hearing that that chaos when they're coming in. Mm-hmm. Really gets your heart going. Well, I, I don't think I'll I'll swear it off. Um, one of the things I really like about hunting feeders at night when you can hunt into the dark, um, they turn really bold, and you know I I. I love having a, a hog light out and just watching them come in and, you know, tear the place up. And once they're settled in and, uh, you know, there's been a lot of times I haven't even uh, had a good clean shot to take. So I just let them all go, but you might have hogs in front of you for 10, 15, 20 minutes. Um, if something's not just right, or you're not getting the shot at the pig you want the shot at or whatever, but right. pigs on a feeder, after dark, um, they're just, they're, they're, they're incredible beasts. I mean, they're just so primal hearing them and watching them. And, uh, I love it. So, you know, whether I'm shooting them or not, I, I definitely would go back and sit over a feeder at night and, uh, and watch the chaos ensue. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I'm just sitting here thinking about both sides of it, trying to decide which one I like the most. And I'm quite honestly, it's all big just, hunting. I, I can't give an answer. I love, I love it both. I love both of them. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think if there's anything else about the, the public land hunting. Um, oh yeah, I did. Uh, so I probably should mention this just cause I've posted video and, and photos on, on social media, but, um, Wednesday, I had a, a pretty close encounter with 
one of the biggest um, diamondback rattlesnakes I've ever come in contact with. That was a that'll get you adrenaline going. Um, <laughs> I had so in a way it's funny. It by luck it always works out this way. So you had gone to Savannah because again the 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 high water had washed out some roads and there was a road that you didn't. You did. You thought you thought there was a, a shadow across the road, and it ended up being a pretty good uh, washout. And I know you wanted to go and get your truck checked out, so mm-hmm. you went to Savannah um, that Wednesday. I know Cat and Anna went to Savannah. I don't think they necessarily went with you, but they went to Savannah that same day. Um, Ryan had gone to one WMA. Uh, Derek and Miguel went to another WMA and Rick and Sean. So I was the only one on this WMA. And as it turned out, it's the farthest WMA from where we were, uh, where we were staying in the cabins. And I was by my GPS, I was nearly three miles from, uh, uh, where I'd parked my pickup and I just happened to spot this guy and I was walking straight towards him when I did. And he was, he was a big rattlesnake. His, his head was close to being as big as, you know, my fist. Um, luckily it was, I don't know if it was luckily, you know, it was cool. So I'm sure he wasn't overly, he or she, uh, wasn't overly aggressive. Um, but the downside of that is no warning. So no rattle didn't make a sound the whole time. Um, but again, if it'd been, if it'd been normal Georgia hot weather, if it'd been 80, 90, 9,500 degrees, I'd have never saw him. He would have probably moved on before I ever got close enough to see him. They, you know, they tend to pick up the vibrations in the ground and they, they move on. But regardless, it was one of those moments that, that you just sit back and think, wow, you know, you, you, you really need to pay attention down here because, something will jump up and grab you. (laughs) Um, so yeah, that was, that was pretty exciting. Uh, and then was that, no, I'm getting the days wrong. So you saw a a rattlesnake. I did. That was Tuesday. Cause that was the day that, that was the day that, um, cause we, we went to Jerry's on Wednesday. So I'm getting my days mixed up a bit. I think. Isn't that right? I thought you got that on Friday. No, 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 no. That took place. So that was the day. That was the day that it ended up raining. Um, it was the day that you had gone to Savannah. It was the day that. Oh, it was uh, Tuesday then. That's left. right. So that was Tuesday. Um, and then the next day we, we took a break from the public land. And I do want to give a shout out to Jerry Russell. Um, you know, Jerry, I think you contacted Jerry, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, so we, being our first time doing the WMAs, um, you know, one of our hunters has been hard at it for two years and hasn't loosed an arrow yet. And, uh, we thought it'd be a good opportunity to maybe get a, a good chance for, for them to have a little better odds. Uh, turns out they'd already shot three arrows before we went to Jerry's, but, um, <laughs> uh, that, the idea was to kind of 
invigorate and motivate a young hunter. Right. And I think we, I think we succeeded. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But anyway, so basically Jerry gave us the option that, you know, he had, he had three feeders, um, good bit of, good bit of property around these three feeders. So he definitely doesn't, he, he doesn't over, overdo it. Um, and let's see, Anna, Kat, and Derek both chose to set on feeders um, Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday night. And you and I basically started doing some spot and stalk pretty much from the time we got there and and mm-hmm. and did a little bit of a night stalking as well. I think we finally knocked it off about midnight. Um, yep. But, you know, my hat's off to Jerry for – for letting us letting us come up and hunt with him, um, I think we kind of left it with possibly doing a, a day or maybe another day or two with him. You know, the, the next time we'll kind of see how that has to play out. But uh, Jerry's a good guy, and uh, I really appreciate him. I really appreciate him doing it. And he, as it turns out, Anna ended up getting a shot at a pig, and and he looked for that thing pretty good while that night, and again the next morning. Um, from what I hear, he was crawling through, he was crawling through some pretty rough stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't usually hesitate to crawl into the bad stuff and that was bad, bad stuff. Um, Uh, I, I volunteered to walk around the edge and, and look for the exit trail. Uh, man, that was, that was nasty. Was he leading with his pistol? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I know, I know the pistol and the knife were both hanging up on everything. <laughs> yeah, yes, it was, they were. it was, it was hands together, head down and kind of plowing through the briar. Uh, it was heroic effort in there. Yeah. And then Friday, I guess Friday was kind of our, our Thursday and Friday was kind of our, our last hoorah, but again, the, the water kept rising. We were actually having to having to jostle around to find areas to hunt. Like I said, the one WMA that, that I hunted most of the week was was closed. They, they closed all the gates. You couldn't even get into it unless you walked. And from what Ryan was telling us um, Thursday night, you, there wasn't much to walk because once you, once you walked around the gate and you looked down the road, the road was gone. It was all water. Um, yeah, so again, then, I, I think they had a big, a big, I, I do think they, that? I think they moved off property. I mean, you look at what you had between the gate and where the water was and it wasn't great, you know, cover. You know, I think once the, the water hit a certain point, I think those pigs needed to go someplace where they were safe. And, um, and I don't think there was much we could do as far as, getting one to materialize in a piece of property that we were allowed to hunt in at that point, at least on that particular WMA. Well, and so here's the other thing to consider there, Tom. Um, Monday, I hunted the bulk of the day on that WMA. Tuesday, I hunted all day. I was there at uh, 8.30 in the morning, and I hunted there till dark. Um and I can't, I can't remember the exact number of miles because what I was actually doing to get the wind right, I would park my vehicle just to keep the, the noise down. And I would take one of these roads and I would, you know, not 
running, but a pretty good gait, kind of scanning both sides of the road and walking really fast. But obviously I could do it without making any noise. And then I would drop off and I would still hunt my way with the wind in my face all the way back, either on the right or left-hand side of the road. And I will tell you that once you stepped off the roads, even that early in the week, it was hard to walk and actually stand where you wasn't, you weren't standing in water. You know, it may only be a couple inches deep or it may be, you know, eight to 10 inches deep, but you were standing in water even then. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure the hogs are going to move through the water and so forth, but you know, it wasn't a situation where they couldn't even lay down and not be in mud or in water unless they were up on the roads. Um, and while it wasn't overly cold, I just don't see pigs laying, you know, they'll get out and wallow and those kind of things, but they're not going to try to like sleep in terrain like that. So even on that WMA, I don't know where the pigs were going because it was just the only dry, the only dry ground you really saw was the roads. Yep. Um, so anyway, I, I just, I don't think we will ever know until we go back under normal conditions, potentially how much that, that high water really affected us uh, last week. I think it had a much bigger impact than, than we'll ever know. Well, we go from seeing 52 and basically an afternoon and a morning to seeing one I can think of in three days. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just, I felt like I was doing really good getting into the zone quick and uh, yeah. And then once that area got flooded, I have no idea where they went. And as it turns out, you know, we, we, I don't want it to sound like we're just blaming the weather on everything, but we just, you know, we had a bad chain of events with weather, um, both from the water rising. And then, you know, we went to Jerry's and I think the temperature dropped like 20 degrees. It's more than that. No, I'm talking about from the time we, from the time we, so the two hour drive from when we left to the time we got to Jerry's was the 20 degrees. Okay. It went more than that after dark. I was it was it dropped right. about twenty more after that. Yeah, it was it was cold as all get out. I mean, it was it was hard to stay warm enough um, after the sun went down Wednesday night. Yep. Yeah, I know. Anna saw her pigs just before well six o'clock, so an hour before dark. Uh, the one that I saw across the river, I couldn't get to, was about the same time, maybe a little bit earlier. But it was before that temperature really dropped off. And then once that happened, I don't think we saw anything move for quite a while. Yeah, I'm sitting here trying to think. I don't I don't think so either. I don't think so either. And then you ended up um you ended up not hunting at all Saturday. A lot of people headed home Saturday. I included myself. I had to come home and Ended up swapping out a, a water heater. Um, well, I tried to repair it Saturday night and ended up having to just completely swap it out with a new one Sunday. But um, I know uh, Ryan really was great getting to spend the camp with Ryan. Um, really liked that guy, Ryan Tucker, mm -hmm. uh, for, for everybody who doesn't know who I'm talking about. But Ryan left Saturday. Derek and Miguel left Saturday. And 
um, Rob, uh, Rick, and, Rick Sean. And, and Sean left, left a little bit later than the rest of them did, but they left Saturday as well. So, yeah, but it was a good hunt. It was a good hunt. I can't wait for the next one. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, that was good. Boy, just one week each spring is not enough. Love hunting pigs. Well, come back. I don't, I won't be able to do a week with you, but, um, if you're, if you're down here for any part of a weekend, I could definitely get down and, and make that happen. So we'll talk after we, after we stop pressing the record button. All right. Um, but our time's slipping away and I did want to, I did want to talk a little bit. Um, I know you had actually gotten to do a hunt just prior to, uh, coming to Georgia. And I did want to talk a little bit about that because, Unlike our unlike our Georgia hunt, you had some success on that one. Um, so I had to, uh, but you pressure were, was on. Yeah. I, I had to bring meat to Hambush, so I had to go find something to shoot. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute because it was it actually I think it did all uh, turn out pretty good. But so you were hunting in uh, the great state of Texas. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know I'm a little bit of an instigator. Um, and I hear somebody say, oh, I've always wanted to hunt pigs or I've always wanted to hunt pronghorn. I kind of, my antenna go up and I, I kind of feel like people need a little push sometimes. So a um, couple, couple bow hunters I know, uh, they're both 30 years old. They both have a handful of little kids, uh, preschool age. And they've been talking about adventures for a couple of years now. And I said, you know what? Uh, it ain't going to happen unless you make it happen. I'm booking a hunt and you two can come. So here's the dates. So I kind of put it in their court and both of them did get a few days of vacation and bought their plane tickets. And we planned a really late season hunt. Um, the big, one of the big motivators was one of the guys is just two years into bow hunting and this fall he shot his first deer and did not recover it. And I thought, man, what a, what, let's, let, let's go get some more experience under our belts, right? Like try and have a good outcome here. Um, so I called up my friend, Tim King, who has a ranch down in Texas and we lined up a few days at the very end of their season. Uh, to hunt their uh, native whitetail. Uh, it was our, our primary thing. He offered uh, a management hunt, which was basically a couple does and up to one small buck. Um, and near and dear to my heart, I've been talking to him about Audad for a long time. And he said, yeah, if you want to hunt an Audad, we'll, we'll try and put that together. Uh, oh, and they told the guys that if they, they saw a a hog uh, that they could shoot it. He does not want any pigs on his place. So I uh, packed up beginning of the month and I got the, the sheep hauler uh, from uh, uh, Enterprise and uh, had a, a couple work stops I needed to do on the way down. Uh, my vacation started, ran down to Austin. Those guys got stuck in some storms. We ended up pulling into camp really, really late. Um, got our gear strung up, uh, got ready to go. 
and went out hunting the next morning. Um, pretty cool. Had a good time. I was um, out in the scrub oaks and first thing had a bunch of scimitar oryx come in. So it's kind of crazy being in some place that kind of looks and feels like Africa, but not have to fly there. That was pretty cool. Um, so uh, they came in and that was great. But then I had three white tail bucks come in and the oryx would keep chasing them away. So I spent the whole first morning with these three white tail just out of range. It was a six and two, eight points. Um, six did give me a shot. Um, man, that little bugger was excited. So arrow went just perfect right where I was looking and it wasn't there when the arrow got there. So, <laughs> uh, shot over, a, a, a wired up six point. How close? About 16 yards. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm still not speedy, sure that he didn't run boogers. from the Oryx or if he was running from the sound of my arrow. Gotcha. So, you know, looking back, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, that, that Oryx kind of had the Buffalo sign on him. I probably, I, if I were to do it again, I wouldn't have shot. Um, good shot. Arrow went good. Just didn't work. Um, so that was the first morning. Um, the guy who had, uh, lost the doe last fall had a, uh, black buck doe come in and, uh, Tim had said, you know, you can sub, you know, one white tail doe for, uh, an axis doe or a black buck doe. I take it back. He shot an axis doe. It was a beautiful doe. And we ate some of it that night. I think it was delicious. Um, so it was awesome. His first, uh, first bow kill, his first kill of any kind. So he was, uh, pretty pumped up. Um, came back at a little lunch and we're making a plan for the evening. And I said, you know, the one thing like I'd love to get a deer. That would be great. Doe, buck, whatever. But I really want to get an odd dad. And I've been talking about this for six years and thinking about it. I'm finally here. I'm like, put me out somewhere where I got a chance. Please. And he said, okay. Um, you know, trophy rams are several thousand dollars. And um, your, your you is in your management hunt. So... You know, are you picky? Do you want one or the other or whatever? And I was kind of hemming and hawing. And Tim said, you know, if you want to eat it, you really want to shoot the U. I said, okay, it's decided. I want to shoot a U. I said, okay, uh, we'll send you out with Bish uh, to a uh, hide that has some activity, a, a, a pretty large herd that would come and go. Um, you didn't tell me you were hunting with Bish. I didn't tell you that. No, you didn't. Yeah. Uh, I've talked, I've talked to him quite a bit, you know, online and so forth. Never, never talked to him in person. Well, I may have actually spoken to him on the phone once, but anyway, go ahead. So I'm sorry. 
fish is probably one of the only people I hunt with that is more who has more hearing loss than I have. <laughs> and so now really? you got the two of us in here, and we're trying to do hand signs. We're trying to whisper to each other, and we're both deaf. And uh, <laughs> it's a comedy of errors. There's uh, there's uh, four fallow that came in first thing, and fallow deer. I'd never seen one before. Those things are so beautiful. And, uh, you know, the chocolatey ones and the white ones and the ones that are almost black and, you know, those crazy antlers on them. I mean, that's one of the coolest animals that I've ever seen. Those are just great. But had three of them hanging out and like 18 or 20 of these odd ad come in. And it's very hard to judge the sex of an immature ram versus a you and we should be like okay that one over there and he'd be pointing at like three or four of them and be like i can't tell which one you're saying you know he's like okay this one over here I'm like okay i see that one but then another one walked right in front of it so it's that same thing like when you get a big herd and uh right right they're all milling around and and we're probably 10 probably 10 minutes into this uh, big herd being in and all of a sudden he taps my legs and there's just one standing all alone. And, uh, the, you know, the, the, the arrow didn't make it out of the hide before it hit it. Um, you know, get that so out there is, right now. What is close? What is close as your antelope? No, nah, it was 11 yards. <laughs> um, you know, slipped the arrow right through her. Um, uh, did a little loop and then uh, went up the hill and and dropped. Uh, beautiful, beautiful animal. And uh, straight line, it was like twenty five yards. I think I think by the blood trail, it was like forty. But um, quick. And uh, guys rolled up in a side by side. And the other guy, the guy that didn't uh, get one in the morning he really wanted a big ram and he got a huge ram. So apparently among the locals, that's a ram among rams and, and probably soon to be on his way out. And I'll, I'll try and share a picture with you later, but that was just sure. the most amazing beast of a odd ad I've ever seen. Um, now interesting thing. So the guy that had went and hunted a couple weeks before we got there, I might be, I might be mistaken, but I don't think he saw an odd ad in four days of hunting. I know he didn't get a shot. I don't think he saw one. So for both of us to say, you know, first night we're a hundred percent all in, we're looking for looking for a sheep um, to both get lucky enough to see one, let alone get a shot was awesome. There were two other gentlemen hunting in camp. So there were five hunters uh, for three days. That was the only two times we saw dad. Nobody saw him before or after. Wow. Yeah. So I just look at that. I'm like, man, well, this guy, Got his giant ram, you know, 18-year-old, old, old, giant horn, 
big body, majestic ram. And I got a, a great, great use. She's pretty. Um, cut out the, uh, the, the tenderloins and had those the next night in camp and then brought some to Hambush, brought the loins in and, and cooked those. So yeah, man, I'm, I was, I was excited. I finally did an odd ad hunt. Yeah. 2013 was when that first start talk start first started. So. Well, I'll be honest, Tom, after, after hearing you tell this story again, the second time in a different way, um, now I'm starting to wonder if the outad left because they heard people were flinging arrows at them, or if it was because they started learning how to read the hand signals between you and Dish. <laughs> um, but, but I will, t- <laughs> I will tell you this: the next time you're going to be hunting with that guy, you got to let me know ahead of time, and I'm I'm sending you a, a recording. You know, either you and him can record an episode, or if you can figure out a way, we'll you know we can get me on the line something. Um, cause I have actually talked to him about being on here before. And I, I want to say it, it may have had something to do with his, with his hearing was the reason he said he didn't want to try to, I, I can't remember now, but I have talked to him about it in the past. So I tell you what, just, um, nicest, humblest guy. I mean, just can't, can't say enough nice things about him, man. He is just class act, um, helped us out with all the animals and um, getting us out and bringing us back and just kind of checking on everybody. And I mean, just, just, I don't even know what to say. And then for his experience in hunting, um, I won't even, I won't even start telling the stories. I'd do it no justice, but I've got a little bit of an idea of of some of what he's done. Uh, I've, was in Africa with him on one of my trips. So, yeah. And I did, I did know that. And I think, uh, I'm sure you met him the same way. I mean, I've known him through trad gang for a long time and I'm sure that's where you probably first ran into him. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we gotta, we gotta figure out a way the next time, if there is a next time that you end up hunting with him, I think there will figure out a way to make that happen. So, uh, after, and as far as after the, eating some Axis deer and, uh, yeah, I, 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 I think I'm going back. Well, and I'll say this, the, and the, the, the Aldad was good. Um, the fallow deer was much better, but both of them were really good. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to, to having some of those in the freezer myself. Yeah. So I will say, yeah, the fallow was, that was to die for, um, I think I think the Audad was definitely better the first time I cooked it than the second time. I'm sorry for you guys, but um, I think it was just in too long. I think I just overdid it with the sous vide. Because um, yeah. yeah, my 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 those tenderloins were far and away better than the the loins. Well, I, again, I thought they were both they were both good, but I have to be honest and say the fallow was definitely. That was top shelf. That was really, really good. Um, it's like a little elk. They're cool. So I'll be honest, we're we're getting near where I want to try to wrap this thing up, Tom. And oh, I, I was do that um, then. 
<laughs> so have you got anything else you wanted to talk about as far as that hunt? Because uh, I've got one other thing that I was going to bring up, but you go first. Yeah, you know what? I think the coolest thing about that was kind of helping push a couple guys out of their comfort zone and and do a big hunt, something memorable. They're talking about doing it again next year with their dads maybe. Um, very cool. You know, I think, I think that's the big thing is when you have a chance to, you know, create a little spark and, and, and foster that, um, you know, with, with either the younger generation or your peers or just someone with interest, you just gotta, gotta do it. Gotta, gotta help them find the path and, and, and get going on it. So that for me, that was a great hunt. When I look back at the last 12 months and the things I've done, um, you know, getting a couple guys out of their comfort zone and doing something new. That's, that was a lot of fun. So yeah. glad to do it. And thanks for letting me chat about it a little bit. No, oh, sure. Anytime. Um, and if you, if you do this thing again, I don't know, depending on when you do it, maybe I can, maybe I can figure out a way to tag along with you, but we'll just have to kind of have to see, have to see how, how soon you try to go back. Cause you've already thrown me one curveball saying you're, you're thinking, I thought our next hunt was going to be bear. Um, and That's now we plan. may be chasing, maybe chasing pigs again before then. I don't know, but, uh, but yeah, that is our, kind of our next, our next plan. A big excursion is, is bear in June. So we've got. You know what? Uh, March, April, May. Mm-hmm. We basically, got three, a little over three months to 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 talk and and get all excited about that one. And uh, we really need to sit down and try to figure out and plan some around the fishing. If the bear hunting's kind of out of our hands, but uh, I know both of us want to get some some fly fishing in while we're up there too. And it'll be my first time uh, wetting a line that's not you know inside the United States. So. That's a little yeah. bit different, um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to this haul, this this bear hunt, man. I'm I'm fired up about it. Me too. Yeah, after finally meeting Jerry face to face and talking a bit about the hunt and uh, the, the 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 place and the the bears, yeah, I'm super excited. Oh, that's right. I I forgot about that. That was the first time you've met Jerry. Yep. Talked a lot on the yeah, phone, I, but yeah. Yeah, and see, I've gotten to where I I. I I see him and talk to him so much. I, I kind of forget about that with, with other people, but, uh, yeah, Jerry's, Jerry's good people. He's good folk. So, well, buddy, um, I guess we, we can stick a pin in this one. I think we, we've covered all we, we wanted to and, and yeah, then some kind of caught up. It's good. Um, and I do want to hang out just a few minutes after we, after we stop recording and, and talk about this, this hog adventure. And I've actually got a, um, a, a future episode on the podcast I want to talk to you about, about potentially being my co-host. So folks mm. will hear from you again, hopefully fairly soon. All right. Sounds good. All right, man. Well, take care of yourself. And for everyone else listening, hope you've enjoyed this one and we'll be back with you next week. Take care, all. <laughs>